I'd like to thank Barry and the History Society and Drs. Wyckoff and Austin for giving me the opportunity to present for, uh, some reflections from my dissertation research, Green Museums Waking Up the World, Indigenous and Mainstream Approaches to Exploring Sustainability. And I'd also like to acknowledge the uh, Indigenous nations upon whose hunting grounds we're meeting today. Mainstream and Indigenous museums are ideally situated geographically and socially to educate the public about climate change and inspire and mentor their constituent youth to craft the imaginative solutions required to maintain a habitable planet. This dissertation research, through approximately 100 interviews at a dozen institutions, seeks to clarify the extent to which contemporary museums are exploring sustainability and Anthropocene-related initiatives <clears throat> institutionally and pedagogically, and the practical and philosophical results of these explorations by our nation's museums. This is Cal Academy of Sciences in San Francisco. Climate change has become a household term. According to NASA, the National Air and Space Administration, the overwhelming majority of scientists find converging data on climate change. However, the American public holds highly divided views on the subject. According to Yale scholar Dan Cahan, every individual employs her reasoning powers to apprehend what is known to science from two parallel perspectives simultaneously a collective knowledge acquisition one, and a cultural identity protective one. The failure of widely accessible, compelling science to quiet persistent cultural controversy over the basic facts of climate change is the most spectacular science communication failure of our day. We will neither understand nor remedy this failure unless we take account of its source in the conflict that our own knowledge assessment practices create between the use of reason to know what is known and the use of reason to be who we are. In other words, the problem is not that half the American public is too dim to understand climate science education, as much as it is that the cognitive dissonance produced by thinking about the anthropogenic causal factors of climate change is too cacophonous for half our public to endure. Since the 1950s, we have been immersed in an escalating American paradigm of consumer-oriented materialism as a marker of social status and personal prestige. To be told point-blank that such behavior has brought us not just to, but over the brink of ecological Armageddon is a tough pill to swallow, and we are a culture taught to like our pills to be uppers, not downers. Should museums play a role in reducing this deep cultural fear and advance public conversations about anthropogenically induced biospheric disruption? <coughs> if so, how should museums initiate these conversations with their community in such a manner that would inspire and not depress their visitors? Western science knowledge has proven difficult for the general public to grasp and absorb. A problem compounded because the media have frequently used science as a topic for argumentation rather than enlightenment leading to challenges in clarifying, clarifying climate change for the public. And I love this slide because it's just utterly incomprehensible. And this is the sort of problem that museums have been encountering with, and scientists with uh, discussing climate change with the public. Who could read that and make any sense of it unless they're an ecologist? <clears throat> it's hideous. <laughs> The National Science Foundation conducted nationwide science becoming the messenger workshops to address this problem of miscommunication. One of the key suggestions was that scientists make their findings relevant to the public, to their audience. Museums have been presenting climate change information to the public primarily through the narrowly construed lens of Western science without sufficiently engaging relevancy. Uh, we had one of these workshops in Missoula um, two years ago and it was packed. It was really uh, useful. 
Indigenous communities have, through the trial and error of millennia, developed functional and philosophical approaches to living successfully in their particular environments. Often dismissed erroneously as primitive, these adaptive strategies serve to educate industrial cultures in reconceptualizing their agency on the planet. Observations of indigenous museums reveal how these cultural paradigms may be presented accurately and respectfully, information that is of great value to mainstream museums seeking more effective methods of engaging their public. Western culture is characterized by teaching primarily through the transmission of written documents. Most indigenous cultures share sophisticated concepts and moral lessons through parables and symbolism communicated through stories. Unfortunately, the Western world has tended to misconstrue the elegance of ideas honed over millennia for simplistic folk stories. Enduring indigenous concepts such as we are all related, seventh generation, and the honorable harvest, beautifully elucidated by Potawatomi botanist Robin Wall Kimmerer in her book Grading Sweetgrass, which some of you may have read, are concepts that have functioned, <laughs> functioned for millennia. Can we get a little bit of light? <laughs> <laughs> My night vision isn't quite tacky. <laughs> um, our concepts that have functioned for millennia, ensuring survival, whether resources are slim or abundant. Pre-World War II America prided itself on a cultural identity framed in helping one's neighbor, family values, and thriftiness, very similar cultural paradigms to the indigenous ones just discussed. In post-World War II America, radical consumerism has transmogrified our deep culture in a shockingly brief period of time. Uh, this is a, a photograph of the Jire exhibit that the Anchorage Museum um, uh, created and is touring. I uh, took this at the CDC Museum, and this is a slide of uh, plastic from the Pacific Ocean. <clears throat> If a person is diagnosed with uncontrolled cell growth, they are perceived as risking death and are only pronounced healthy when growth is at a harmonious norm. If a corporation is diagnosed with uncontrolled growth, they are lauded as successful in near death if they are operating at, any, at an even rate. We have allowed our con cancerous economy to outstrip our basic common sense, and nature is levying the price. Our viable solution is to back out of this extreme dead end and reconnect with seasoned values. Partnering with local indigenous communities can help museums find fresh ways of presenting functional cultural paradigms to their publics. Indigenous methodologists, such as Sean Wilson and Margaret Kovacs, teach us that storytelling and relationship building are key methods of conveying cultural knowledge successfully. Advertisers have practiced this for a long time, building stories that equate materialism with happiness. Museums are well-placed to wield their unique position as cultural community anchors to use storytelling to discuss anthropogenic climate change with their visitors. You could just gotta love that uh, stark cola earlier. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Declining levels of federal support has inclined some museums to accept readily proffered or oil and gas money. However, accepting it comes packaged with the fear of losing it. Institutions such as California Academy of Sciences belie the premise that this kind of funding is unavoidable. Our friends, the Koch brothers there. California Academy's mission statement declares, in, declares, in our day-to-day -day work and overarching goals, we're guided by a mission statement as profound as it is simple, to explore, explain, and sustain life on Earth. They built their Lee Platinum building, funding their museum and its biodiversity-grounded research, while declining to accept oil and gas funding. Their donor list is available for review on their website. 
California Academy of Sciences Executive Director Jonathan Foley announced on August 21st that in January 2015, the Academy implemented a new institutional gift policy ensuring that contributions are consistent with the Academy's stated mission, purpose, and priorities, and has now gone a step further. Effective this summer, they hold no direct investments in fossil fuel companies and have begun to phase out all oil, gas, and mineral leases on lands with historic mineral rights given by donors and are currently working with financial advisors and their board of trustees to implement a fully divested investment portfolio. This freedom from petroleum funding endows the liberty to research and report widely and at will on climate change and other anthropogenic impacts on the biosphere. This was really revolutionary. <clears throat> Large publicly funded institutions, such as the Smithsonian Institution, are to a degree at the mercy of our elected officials who control the purse strings However, they also have a direct mission to serve the public and are finding ways to facilitate this. This is from the top floor of the National Museum of the American Indian, and the administrative offices look directly onto our senators and congressmen. <clears throat> um, most American museums have neglected to substantially explore sustainability with our communi community, but are in the catbird seat to do some really interesting work in this area. If museums were to collaborate with their local indigenous communities to develop programming that incorporated art, storytelling, and citizen science, to engage children in learning about their changing environment and ways of responding positively to these challenges, they could address burning issues of social and environmental injustice without alienating half their visitors and donors. Uh, this is at the uh, National Museum of American Indians Living Earth Festival, and this is a Tunica artist who makes uh, jewelry and toys out of recycled, uh, recycled materials. The Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian is doing exactly that with their annual Living Earth Festival. The 2015 Living Earth Festival attracted thousands of visitors, featuring a butterfly release, a cook-off, Mayan food preparation, a concert by Quetzal Guerrero, a Navajo Youth Summit discussing efforts to improve health education and access to healthy foods, and a symposium titled on the table, creating a healthy food future, among many other activities centered around climate change and sustainability. The Smithsonian Institution has instituted the Living in the Anthropocene Initiative, supporting their four grand challenges, unlocking the mysteries of the universe, understanding and sustaining a biodiverse planet, valuing world cultures, and understanding the American experience. Across the Smithsonian's 29 constituent museums, zoo, and research facilities, Institutional measures are being enacted to adhere to the goal of sustaining a biodiverse planet. For example, the 2015 Folklife Festival diverted 94% of trash away from landfill to composting and recycling. Participating food vendors <coughs> used com compostable containers and cutlery. On a day-to-day -day basis, Smithsonian restaurants use either washable china and cutlery or compostable ones and compost their kitchen scraps. The Smithsonian encourages the purchase of recycled office paper products across the institution and made it the first choice at the Natural History Museum did an experiment and popped uh, recycled um, office paper to the top of the drop-down list and increased uh, purchase that way set by 70%. Uh, janitorial staff use all green cleaning compounds which helps their health and the, also the health of visitors. Um, this is a picture of the zoo and it's a little hard to read but it's talking about how we are all related. So. 
The Smithsonian Gardens showcase issues surrounding invasive species and ways visitors can use their home gardens to provide inviting habitat for birds and bees. A key point with these initiatives, among many others, some visible to the public, some only to the Smithsonian's 6,300 employees, is signage. If initiatives are conducted without signage, they are functionally invisible. With signage, they are a didactic illustration of how our nation's museum is conserving the public's resources, a lesson to take home. Social engineering is needed to make sure that initiatives such as these are actually implemented. Anthropological perspectives have a great deal to offer museums in identifying the human behaviors that facilitate or hinder the best laid plans of engineers. <clears throat> One might assume that since indigenous peoples are differentially impacted by climate change, tribally controlled museums would display a strong emphasis in encouraging these issues, in exploring these issues. Sorry. However, currently, cultural sustainability is often trumping environmental sustainability as an even more urgent focus, and thus museums or cultural centers are focusing their efforts on instilling traditional knowledge and values in their community members. This leads to an interesting dichotomy between academia and the museum community for the most part. The very lively academic discussion of TEK, traditional ecological knowledge, native science, and how it relates and interrelates with Western science has been a topic of great interest and focus, with many conferences, working groups, and support for indigenous students from groups such as ACES and SOCNIS. Tribal colleges, such as Salish Kootenai College, for example, have been key bridges in this endeavor. However, it is not a phenomenon that translates broadly into the museum field. The Indigenous Education Institute, IEI, and the UC Berkeley Space Sciences Laboratory developed the National Science Foundation-funded project, Cosmic Serpent, to explore the cultural disconnect between Western scientists and educators in the Native community in terms of scientific worldviews and Indigenous ways of knowing, and how museums could serve to bridge this gap. This was accomplished by holding professional development workshops from three regions and, <clears throat> from three regions, uh, and uh, I just lost my way. And mentoring, uh, creating museum programs uh, featuring Native and Western commonalities as entry points to STEM, uh, forming regional partnerships. Uh, they wrote a legacy document uh, recording their process, and they had a culminating conference jointly hosted by the National Museum of the American Indian and the Association of Science and Technology Centers, Aztec. Just lost my last page, so I will. <laughs> One minute, okay. Cosmic Serpent was followed by, an by a second NSF project, Native Universe, which incorporated Cosmic Serpent findings into a working group of uh, about four or five uh, museums and um, another four research uh, entities, uh, like the Imola Astronomy Center of Hawaii. One of the culminating projects from this was Roots of Wisdom, which was uh, put together by the um, OMSI, the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. This is a, a large exhibit looking at indigenous plants, and it will be coming to the Museum of the Rockies um, in 2017. In conclusion, the groundbreaking work of the Cosmic Serpent Native Universe Working Group provides an exemplary tested model dem demonstrating how mainstream museums can work hand-in-hand -hand with indigenous scientists and communities to bring enduring knowledge about environmental and cultural sustainability to the general public in culturally respectful and appropriate ways. 
This kind of knowledge sharing is predicated on a foundation of relationship building, goodwill, and conversations about mutual goals between the museum and its indigenous community partner. Government agencies such as NOAA, NSF, NASA, and the IMLS have proven um, quite interested in funding these kinds of collaborative initiatives. Tremendous untapped opportunities await us for cross-cultural and interdisciplinary uh, explorations into the issues of the Anthropocene, and Montana's museums are especially advantaged and poised to explore these possibilities, with seven tribal colleges available for, collab for collaboration and the public in love with the last best place and its environmental well-being.